Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Nibblink, and I will be your host. Blake is unfortunately unable to join us tonight, but we've got Mr. Josh Hutchinson himself stepping up to the plate to talk through the hottest and the coldest players in the league, and this the most pivotal of stretches leading into the fantasy playoffs. How are you doing today, Hutch? I'm doing all right, man. I, I know I'm not the typical foil for Nate that Blake is, but I'm going to try and channel my best, my best Blake creamer tonight. Uh, just let me, how's this impression? Let's get to biz. Okay. Is that, <laughs> is that pretty good? That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if, <laughs> if I didn't have the uh, visual in front of me, I, I wouldn't have known that it was anybody other than Blake. So awesome. as long as you can keep that up for the rest of the podcast, I'm sure we'll be, uh, we'll be all right. It's doubtful, doubtful. <laughs> it, it does seem like an unsustainably high level of energy to me. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've had enough fun at Blake's expense, uh, we're going to take a look at obviously performing well and performing poorly. Yeah, we've got comments already. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo. That's right. Thanks for that, Alan. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Blake. He's getting dragged. He goes away for one week and he's getting dragged in the first two minutes of the podcast. But such is the life. <laughs> All right. Well, basically, we're going to look at some players who are hot, some players who are cold, and we're going to try to specifically focus on people who you might be looking at picking up or people you might be looking at dropping if they're on your team obviously coming into the fantasy playoffs here that's really all we're worried about everybody's pretty much past their trade deadlines at this point so not much in the way of trades going on but definitely people are looking at perfecting their rosters heading into playoffs so that's what we're going to try to do for everybody today but first as always we are going to play a little bit of two truths and a lie uh, we don't have a ongoing score going between Hutch and myself, but I am going to throw some questions at him and we'll see if he can uh, correctly guess the lie of these three. So right. are you ready for this? I am. I'm going to try. <laughs> That's all we can do really. <laughs> so this edition is basically I've gone through and just shown some players who are, have, uh, more points or less points than other players and tried to show one player versus the other. But since January 1st, so not on the season, uh, but since January 1st, calendar year 2023 is what we're looking at here. So here are the three statements. Number one, JT Miller has more points in 2023 than Jason Robertson. Number two, Tim Stutzla has more points than David Pasternak. And number three, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has more points than Nikita Kucherov. What are you thinking, Hutch? Talk us through the process here. What are you thinking? This is tough because these are all plausible. Um, I feel like... So I, I roster both Stutzla and Pasternak. I feel like Stutzla has been so hot at this second half here and pasta has been good, but he's certainly slowed down since his like ridiculous pace at the start of the year. So I feel like that is the most plausible JT Miller as well. I feel like has kind of, has kind of blown up. He had a tough start to the season. Um, and then Jason Robertson, same, same as Pasternak uh, had, was red hot out of the gate. 
and since has has kind of slowed down and 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 been putting up more realistic numbers. Mm-hmm. And then the, oh man, Kucherov and, and Nugent Hopkins, that's that's tough as well. I think that is oh I mean Kucherov has been steady Eddie all year. I think Nugent Nugent Hopkins, I can remember him being really high on the scoring list early in the year. I feel like that is the lie here. That's what I'm gonna go with. That's my final answer. Final answer, RNH having more points than Kucherov being the lie. You're correct. That's oh, the yes. one. So we'll go through here just for everybody's uh, brains at home. JT Miller, uh, since uh, January 1st this year, has put up, where did it go? There it is, 26 points in 25 games. So over a point per game since January 1st. Jason Robertson, 25 points in 25 games. So one point between the two, but JT Miller does have one more point. Mm-hmm. Tim Stutzla does have more points than David Pasternak. Again, one point between the two. And Stutzla has 35 points in 26 games and Pasternak 34 in 26. Both very impressive, but obviously Stutzla has just been, yeah, on another level in the second part of the season here. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is actually quite close to Kucherov. So Kucherov has 35 points in 28 games and Nugent Hopkins has 33 points in 26 games. So actually, Gross. if you uh, kept the point paces there, Nugent Hopkins does have a slightly higher point pace, but not actually more points in total since January 1st. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I don't really have a big takeaway from this for fantasy purposes. All these guys are on people's rosters and aren't going anywhere at this point. But I just thought it was pretty interesting and should probably frame our conversations around these players a little more heading into next year. Absolutely. All right, let's dive into the main meat of the episode let's call it here the performing well and performing poorly as i mentioned the performing well here are going to be guys who are a little bit more on the uh, edges of your lineup hopefully depending on obviously the depth of the league that you're playing in they may be available on your waiver wire or they may be kind of in that streamer range so that's the kind of players that we're looking at who have been performing well over the last little bit Number one on this list, we have to talk about Dmitry Orlov. What is going on with this guy? He's got nine points in his last five games. Nine points in his last four games, actually. Basically, since joining the Bruins, he's been absolutely nuclear, averaging over 20 minutes a game, playing on the top pair a fair bit, although I believe in the last game he did get bumped down, uh, no longer playing with McAvoy. Yeah, he's... uh, Actually, no, they've switched him back up, so... Uh, he was down. He went up on the McAvoy pairing to start, and then they switched him out to play with Carlo. And now it looks like in the last game they put him back with McAvoy. So getting bounced around, but regardless, top four minutes, twenty plus minutes, he's definitely getting lots of play on what's obviously a terrific Boston team. So what are we doing with Orlov? I think he's been picked up in a lot of leagues just because of how ridiculously hot this stretch is. Is he cemented in your lineup? Boston does have a pretty solid playoff schedule coming up. They play 12 times in weeks 22 through 24 if you're looking at the Yahoo schedules. So what are we doing with Orlov here, Hutch? Man, I mean, obviously he's not going to be scoring at this pace for the rest of the year. I think he's shooting shooting at 30 to 40 percent shooting percentage right now just scoring at will uh so someone on twitter uh was calling him uh, dimitri orlov with two r's like as if he's he's bobby orlov <laughs> uh, 
I think in, in certain league formats, I think he's, he may be a hold just because of the, the playoff schedule and because of the position in the lineup that he's playing. I think as long as he's playing on that top, uh, that top pairing with McAvoy, uh, getting huge minutes over 20 a game, I think that will only be beneficial for him. Chances are he's probably playing with, with uh, premium forwards as well. So um, he'll likely be chipping in um, in terms of assists there too so I, I i think in the position that he is in the lineup in boston i think uh, yeah he, he won't sustain this pace but i think he's definitely a definitely a fringe hold maybe even um i would say more in a bangers cats than in a uh in a points league but he's he's definitely right there yeah i think that's a fair take i think orlov like he actually did this earlier in the year with uh when he was with washington and he went on a bit of a bender. It wasn't this extreme, but it was similar in that respect. But I, I'm kind of of the opinion that nothing under the hood really looks all that terrific. Like even his on ice numbers, Corsi four per sixty, 109th amongst defensemen through this stretch, 51st in scoring chances four per sixty. Those are not like spectacular numbers by any stretch. Yeah, he's gotten over 20 minutes in two of the last four games and under 20 minutes in two of the last four games. So it's it's good. I think he's definitely on that fringe of your roster. And with the playoff schedule for Boston, he can be a hold. He can be like that D4, D5 on your fantasy roster if that's something that you need and you just need some kind of steady production at the back end there, then that's definitely something you can look for with Orla because he's just going to have the sheer volume of games played. So that's fine for me, but I would not expect Orla to be even like, like if he's a 40 point pace player through the playoffs, like if in his 12, if in his 12 games during those weeks, 22 to 24, he gets you six points, like that should be considered a win. So if you're expecting more than that, then I would say you should probably temper your expectations. And if there's somebody on your waiver wire who you, you think can do better than that, then I'd probably go after that person. All right. Number two, Jared McCann. McCann has been razor, uh, red hot. Razor hot. That's where I was going with that one. I haven't heard that one before. Just inventing new <laughs> idioms right here on the hot podcast. Shaves. For you. <laughs> hot <laughs> shaves. Love to hear it. All right. So McCann, he's actually going to be playing. I believe they just started their game here tonight. So we won't have that data for you, but eight points in five games prior to tonight's game against Colorado here on Sunday night. Um, been playing over 17 minutes, pretty standard stuff for McCann at this point, but he's been very hot and rostered in, I believe, 45% of Yahoo leagues currently. So pretty well rostered, but again, kind of on the edge of a lot of people's rosters, probably got picked up for a streaming schedule and then held since he was doing well. So is McCann someone that you think is going to be a hold all the way through playoffs, or do you think he's still on that fringe where you might stream him out at some point? What do we think about McCann? It de- I think it depends on when your your playoffs are. I think from weeks 22 to 24, which is when most of my playoff schedules are in my in the leagues that I'm in, uh, Seattle actually has a pretty bad schedule. So um, like only three games a week and and uh, not a lot of off nights. So mm-hmm. in that regard, I'm not. I wouldn't be super stoked on McCann, but um, if you have uh, if you have a playoff schedule where Seattle's playing a few more games, I think they're he's someone you could consider at the very bottom of your lineup, maybe even just, just to stream in and out through the playoffs. Um, he's a really high efficiency guy. He has been for the, for the last couple of years. I love me some Jared McCann. 
he was a guy that I was super excited about going to Seattle. He's a guy I wish the Leafs kept, to be honest. Uh, they're still <laughs> Leafs legend still, Jared McCann still playing around with with Alex Kerfoot and Justin Hall because they just had to keep <laughs> those guys over Jared McCann. Uh, just just brutal. Not bitter at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, I mean, he's playing in a good spot in the lineup, playing with Eber- Eberly and Beniers. I mean, those are probably the three best forwards on the team. Uh, three more consistent, at least this year. I think I saw a stat where Jared McCann is actually ha- has the most goals per 60 in the league this year uh, at all strengths. So wow. um, having a really nice season um, and shooting at a high clip for almost two years in a row. So you're you almost wonder if that's just... Uh, if that's just the player he is, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. he's right. When you're writing a two-year bender like that, yeah, you got to start wondering. Oh, maybe he is just a high-efficiency shooter. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely like Jared McCann, um, but I don't love Seattle's playoff schedule. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I at this point, I'm basically just seeing how far it goes with McCann, how long he can stay hot like this for. I did actually catch the overtime. Um, where he got the assist on Bjorkstrand's goal. And he was out there, it was a four on three on the power play in overtime. And he was out there for the first bit. And then I saw him like start to go to the bench and somebody obviously waved at him from the bench and he just like threw up his hand. He's like, yeah, I'll stay. And he went back out there and got the assist on the game winning goal. So definitely it seems like he's a guy that they're kind of leaning on a little bit more than perhaps they have in the past. And so that's obviously exciting, but yeah, overall, I'm just going to see how long this goes with McCann. I'm not saying that he's locked into my roster for playoffs. They don't have that great schedule, like you're saying, so you don't have that incentive to keep him. I'm just probably going to ride him until the wheels kind of fall off this hot streak, and then I'll reevaluate at that point if there's something better on my waiver wire. We've got a comment here from Reese's Pieces. How's it going, man? What are we doing with Ghost? I was planning on dropping him after this week, but not sure how... Not sure I can with how well he's performed since getting to the Canes. Yeah, Ghost of Spare. I actually, I was doing a team review with Mark Skinner earlier this week uh, to prep him for his playoffs. If you're interested in getting team reviews, that's something you can check out in the Apples and Geos Patreon, also in the description of this show. So if you're interested in something like that, definitely go check that out, probably for next year at this point. But definitely, if you want something for your playoffs, we can get that worked out. But I was talking to Mark, and I was like, yeah, I think Gus Despair, you know, going to the Canes, best case is, like, um, pair three and power play two. Like, I don't know how how much you can really realistically expect from him in that situation, right? And I was just kind of saying he's probably, like, one of these guys on your roster that you're going to drop, quite honestly. And then, of course, after I say that, he goes out and in his first two games there just absolutely blows up. But the thing with Gostas Bear is that, like, he's being so efficient right now, which is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But he has averaged 17 minutes time on ice through these two games. So let's keep that in context. He's got five shots. He scored on two of them and garnered a couple of assists. He's on the power play, um, but I believe it's the power play two unit, unless Mm -hmm. that changed up today. So, again, like, it's great that the power play two unit is scoring. It's great that he's driving play and being a part of that. But you have to wonder if that's really all that sustainable. So all of this together, to me, uh, I again, I don't mind riding him while he's feeling it and while he's playing well. But 
it's really just super hard for me to envision continuing to roster a third pair, second power play defenseman and just assume that he's going to produce just because he started so hot with a new team. I assume it was power play too, because he was in on everything Kakaniemi was in on, who had five points in this game, Yeah, uh, which is, what is that, 20% of his season total in points in one game? That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy stuff. All right, yeah, that's our take on Gosses Bear. Mr. C, this is a fantasy hockey professor joining us. How's it going? He says, hi, fellas, Ekblad, Petro, Riley, Byram, and Bouchard. Would you drop any for Ekblad rest of season? He was dropped in my league. That is an interesting one. Ekblad versus Petrangelo, Riley, Byram, or Bouchard. Uh, definitely I would, um, but which one is up for debate? So <laughs> Byram is a really interesting player to me because... As long as he's on that, um, as long as he's on power play two, basically, and getting plenty of minutes in Colorado. Colorado obviously has a terrific playoff schedule, and I'm all about that. And Byram is a guy that I've been high on for a long time now, uh, since the off season, really. And I think that he could actually, yeah, just be a total stud in the playoffs, even with only power play two deployment. So I'm pretty high on Byram for those reasons. Petrangelo, I haven't seen, I haven't actually checked out how he's been doing recently, but uh, Vegas, I know, does not have a great playoff schedule, so that can factor into things. I don't know. Do you have a preference here, Hutch? Are you uh, not, as stuck on this one as I am? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it, it's tough because Bouchard, um, the prospect of him playing on Power Play 1 in Edmonton, like you can't, I, I feel like you can't risk dropping him at this point until you see mm -hmm. a little bit more. Uh, Three assists it, in 24 minutes yeah. in the last game against Winnipeg. Yeah, so I, I'm not I'm not dropping Bouchard. Um, Byram, oh man, Byram is the guy is the guy that I would consider. Um, but just with Colorado's playoff schedule, it's just so, so good. He's so easy to fit into your lineup. Um, mm -hmm. It's so invaluable to have those those off nights. So I man, that's a tough one. I, I'm actually not sure, to be honest. Yeah, Pet Petrangelo, just to throw more gas on the fire, is pointless in his last five games. So there is that to consider as well. He's mm. been a stud historically, but uh, yeah, just lately the points haven't been there. So he's a little bit cold, which is always fun. Riley's actually been fairly hot. He's got points in his last three games and has been performing pretty well there. So the Leafs have a nice have a nice playoff schedule as well. And there's that. Yeah, I think I think if you're just looking at playoff schedules, I think it's Petrangelo for me. Yeah. To be quite honest, um, it feels weird to say that. Um, I could definitely see the argument for Byram just being power play two, but again, that uh, that playoff schedule for Colorado is pretty tasty. So, um, yeah, call me crazy, but I think it'd be Petrangelo for me. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Let's go on to some Washington players. We've got TJ Oshie and Dylan Strom, who've been hot. Oshie, five goals and three assists for eight points in his last five games. Strom, two goals, four assists, six points in his last five games. Are you interested in either of these guys moving forward? I think they're pretty widely available, so you can go out and get them if you're interested. But what's your take on these two guys here? Yeah, I mean... 
I mean, I'm definitely interested if they have a nice schedule. I don't think Washington has a very good schedule coming up, though. So I, I that's that's where I, I'm definitely hung up. I think they've been playing some weaker teams lately, so that would definitely factor in. I think they won eight three against who was it? Uh, I can't even remember. It was someone that's not very good. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, San they Jose. both do. San Jose, yeah, exactly. They have no one left, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like both of these guys do this at times. Uh, Dylan Strom's not a guy that I really, I mean, yeah, he's a he's a guy that you ride while he's hot. So maybe maybe with that logic, maybe maybe I am interested. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, with Washington's schedule, I'm not really a super fan right now. And TJ Oshie is a guy that I've always liked, um, but I. I I mean, I, I can never trust holding on to him because I feel like whenever he gets hot, I pick him up and then he gets hurt. So right. uh, it, that's that's really tough. But yeah, watch, again, like if Washington had a really bomb schedule, I would definitely be interested, but uh, I'm kind of meh right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. The one thing I will say is that Washington has one good schedule in a week upcoming, and that's in week 22, where they have four games and three off nights. Other than that, you're right, it is pretty pretty meh overall. Definitely when you get into weeks 23, 24, they have six total games with only one off night through those two weeks. So it's kind of just like one week that I'd be looking at these guys. They play three games this week with, I believe it's one off night, so... um, yeah, I think you could pick them up just to try to stay in the flames. If there's, I would do it this way though. Personally, I'm not picking up either of these guys. Oshi does have a little more value in a banger's cats because of the hits, but I would probably hold off for this week and then I'd look at them next week if they're still hot through these three games this week. Then I'd look at them for next week when they're when you're looking at a four game three off night schedule. But at the moment, I'm not that interested. Mr. C says, yeah, Washington's schedule looks pretty average down the stretch. The one player that I am interested in Washington right now is Rasmus Sandin. If you mm-hmm. caught the podcast I did with Blake regarding the trade deadline, Sandin was my top ad out of all of the playoff or the uh, trade deadline moves, rather. And in the first game there, he obviously showed out in a big way, came up with three assists. How excited are we for Sandine? Would you pick him up regardless of the schedule? Uh, what's your take here, Josh? Yeah, I think so. He's he's quarterbacking PP1. So until Carlson's back from his injury, if he comes back at all at this point, um, I'm definitely rostering Sandine. Uh, again, yeah, when when Binksy and I were talking uh, just quickly about trades on the, on our last podcast too, I did mention that there was definitely uh, definitely a possibility that he would he would sit on that pp1 and he looks very comfortable there right now so uh yeah that's definitely a guy that i would look at if he's out there definitely all right let's keep it rolling Derek brassard comes in on this list kind of a surprising name but he's got three goals for uh six points in his last five games skating just over 10 and a half minutes a night so the deployment's definitely not there but the points are is there anything here that you're interested in hutch or is this just a flash in the pan i feel like it's just a flash in the pan uh he's playing with austin watson and mark castellic uh so playing on a grinder line i don't know if it's just uh he got the uh he was feeling the thousand game energy uh, that he had the other <laughs> night he's he's been doing his his former team tour and they've been honoring him in all the cities i believe back-to-back games they played uh in new york and then columbus uh which he 
or was it Columbus or was it a different, I can't remember now, but two of his former teams they played, they honored him for his thousand games and he just went off. So um, I, I don't know if it's just energy, but he has pretty good underlying stats. Uh, he has at times this year looked pretty nice and has played up and down the lineup. But um, with that ice time, I'm just, I'm not super stoked. I mean, everyone on Ottawa is hot right now, um, but uh, I'm, I'm not really that interested in Broussard. Yeah, definitely. I think unless you're in the top six in Ottawa, it's just really hard for me to get super excited about you, even if you are scoring points at the moment. So Broussard is a hard pass for me. Another guy who's going to be a pass for me is Thomas Tatar. Now, in his last five games prior to today's game, that's currently ongoing as we're recording here on Sunday. Tatar did have two goals, four assists, six points in five games, averaging over 16 minutes a night. The underlying stats did not look good here. 201st in shots per 60, 152nd in individual scoring chances, four per 60. So nothing really underlying that suggests that this is a sustainable streak. And in the game that's ongoing late in the third period here, he's got one shot on goal in uh, 15 minutes of ice. So it doesn't look like he's on his way to a big fantasy day here on Sunday. Uh, you have any interest in Tatar moving forward, or is this a guy that just got hot as well? Uh, it depends. I think I think he's kind of riding the coattails of Dawson Mercer and Nico Heashier, kind of going completely off. Dawson Mercer has been unbelievable the last little while, um, and I, I think the fact that he's riding on on the wing of of him and Heashier um, definitely goes a long way. I think I, I was expecting Timo Meyer to potentially slot in there and, and Tatar to get pushed down the lineup, but it looks like they're, they've put Meyer with, with Brat and Jack Hughes. Um, so that's interesting there. And Meyer has a goal tonight, a five on five. So um, that seems to be working out pretty well. Um, so, I mean, I guess as long as Tatar is playing with Heeshear and Mercer um, and he's readily available. I mean, I would consider it. New Jersey has has some pretty nice schedules coming up, so um, he might be a guy that I that I pick up at, maybe for a short term stream in the playoffs, but uh, not nothing that I'd be holding at this point. Definitely. All right, another guy that I want to talk about who is actually of some interest to me, A2 lost Ryan, two goals, four assists, six points in his last five games, but up over 17 and a half minutes per game. He's actually riding on the top line currently with Alexander Barkov and Anthony Duclair. And obviously that's a pretty interesting spot. No power play time though. So keep that in mind when thinking about Luostarine in here. But the underlying stats are pretty nice with Luostarine in 64th in shots per 60, 13th in individual scoring chances for per 60 through these this five game stretch. So I'm pretty interested in Luostarine. Um, I don't know if he's much more than a stream and hold while he looks good, <laughs> but uh, maybe you'll tell me different, Hutch. Are you interested in picking up and holding Luostarine at this point i don't know i honestly he wasn't even on my radar until we started talking about him right now so um <laughs> i mean that's great that he's playing on the top line with barkov uh, i noticed uh, i was looking at florida lines uh, last week i think uh, when i was looking for streamers and uh he was centering the second line uh while while barkov was out but yeah i mean as long as he's riding on that top line that's that's pretty interesting uh and it sounds like he's doing enough under the hood to uh um yeah, to, to pique my interest too. So, um, yeah, I mean, Florida's weird though. They're, they've kind of put that top nine in a blender similar to the way St. Mm. Louis did last year. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, as long as he's on that top line, I, I'm definitely interested. 
Yeah, so Florida, for context, this week upcoming, they have three games and one off night. But the first week of most people's fantasy playoffs, week 22, they only have two games. So you are going to have to navigate that. It might be a pickup for this week, drop for that that uh, two-game week, the first week of your playoffs potentially, and then reevaluate after that. If he's still in that position and still uh, humming along, then definitely I'd be interested because the Panthers do have eight games and three off nights in weeks 23 and 24. So that's kind of the way I'd play it. I don't think Louis Reinen is a caliber of player that you can hold through like a two-game week, but definitely interested if he's able to sustain this kind of um, deployment and production combo, then I'm definitely interested moving forward. All right, another guy who's up on a top line who we would have some interest in is Jack Quinn from the Buffalo Sabres. Two goals, three assists, five points in his last five games. Just 14 minutes time on ice despite the top line deployment. What do you say about Jack Quinn, Hutch? Yeah, I mean, to me, that that just says he's not playing special teams. So, um, uh, yeah, as long as he's riding with with Thompson and, and, and Jeff Skinner, I'm super interested in Jack Quinn. He, I don't think he has to play on the power play to be effective. Um, Buffalo scores five on five all the time. And Quinn has been getting better and better as the season's gone on. So um, it, it's nice that he's getting this opportunity. So yeah, as long as Buffalo has a good schedule, they have a great playoff schedule coming up. So he's a guy that I'd definitely be interested in because it sounds like Tuck is going to be out, um, I mean, potentially till the end of the year or at least close to it. So um so yeah definitely interested in Quinn yeah again looking ahead to the schedule the Sabres have a Monday Tuesday back-to-back to start this week they have four games played but only one of those the Monday is on the off night and then going into weeks 22 in the first week there it looks like they have four games and four off nights so that's actually the best schedule possible for the first week of your playoffs if that's week 22 for you and then after that it tapers off a little bit so it's mostly concentrated in that first week but definitely for the this week and the week after that you've got a run of games here where Quinn should be of a lot of interest to anybody looking for a streamer a uh, couple of Dallas guys I want to bring up real quick Wyatt Johnston and Tyler Sagan both have been producing points so Johnston two goals three assists five points in his last five games Sagan the same Johnston over 16 minutes Tyler Sagan over 17 and a half through this stretch are you interested in either both of these guys? How would you rank them one over the other? You have the kind of added confounding factor of Max Domi coming to town and how does mm-hmm. that affect things? So um, make sense of this Dallas situation for me here. Yeah, I think I'm probably a little more interested in Sagan. Uh, I think just, just uh, I mean, because he's Tyler Sagan. And also... <laughs> Um, yeah, playing with Max Domi and, and Mason Marchman, he's played with Marchman a lot of the year, but, uh, throw Domi into the mix. I think that's, that's a nice combination. Wyatt Johnston is on kind of a, kind of a weird Frankenstein line with Evgeny Dodonov and Jamie Ben. Uh, I guess he's played with Jamie Ben a little bit this year, but, um, that's kind of a, I mean, I, I don't know. Both, both those lines are, are, are ones that are, uh, that probably don't have a ton of chemistry, um, at the right. moment, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm trusting Sagan a little bit more. Um, they got a little bit more ice time five V five. Um, and they both play on power play two together, but it looks like power play two actually got more time on ice 
in the last game than power play one. But I, I wonder they were destroying Colorado at that point. So I right. wonder if they're just, just started playing power play too. So, um, I mean, I don't know that you can go wrong with either, but I think for me, I would, I'd be more interested in Sagan. Yep. I think that's probably the right take for my money. Sagan's underlying stats are definitely better. 22nd in shots per 60, 15th in individual scoring chances for per 60, wow. where you have Johnson at, uh, 104th in shots per 60 and 56th in individual scoring chances for per 60, which are fine numbers, uh, but just not quite as good as Sagan's been on his own. Yeah, you want to probably wait and see a little more uh, of the chemistry with Max Domi, but uh, basically Dallas just ran all their lines last game, right? Like Faxa, Delandria, and Olofsson got the most even strength time on nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kind of due to game context there, right? So, um all that being said, I think you're on the right track there. I think I would go with Sagan from this group of guys. I would go with him above Domi as well. I I said it on the trade deadline podcast, but um, most of the time I expect that players going to a new team will have some growing pains. There's always a few exceptions to that rule. I'm looking at Dmitry Orlov as an obvious example, Rasmus Sandin in his first game, but there's more often than not some growing pains associated with going to a new team. So Max Domi's not someone I'm dying to have on my roster, but Tyler Sagan with those underlying stats and 17 and a half plus minutes per night, I'm definitely interested in that. All right, before we get into players performing poorly, I do need to take a second and remind you to check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. We have a growing community there, over 600 fantasy managers in there. You can bounce your ideas off of them, get latest news in there. We've got lots of people talking about everything that's going on fantasy hockey related all the time. If you need help for your fantasy playoffs for your waiver wire pickups, you can check out the Apples and Genos Patreon Five bucks a month will get you an exclusive article for Patreon subscribers only that I write every single week. I provide a little podcast along with that, explaining my rationale and giving a little more context to all of my rankings there. If that's of interest to you, you should definitely check that out. Both the links are in the show description. All right, Hutch, are you ready for the second half? You ready for the cold streaks? Let's go. Oh, I thought you were going to say, let's get to biz. Oh, let's I was let's get to biz. Oh, shit. <laughs> you had one job. God one job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the first player might be saying that a lot these days. Sam Reinhardt, zero points in his last five games. And it's not for lack of ice time, 21 and a half minutes uh, on average through this stretch. But... I feel like we're right back where we started with Sam Reinhardt. He was ice cold for a huge chunk of the year, then went red hot for like, what was it? Two weeks, three weeks. And yeah. now it seems like he's ice cold once again. What do we do with this guy? Um, we've talked about Florida's schedule a little bit here already. What are you doing with Sam Reinhardt if he's on your roster? What do I do with Sam Reinhardt? That's something I've been mulling over for a long time. <laughs> He is a guy that I've rostered in multiple leagues and he's been probably the most frustrating player because, um, yeah, he's been completely up and down. His underlying stats have looked really good at times and then it seems like he's going to turn things around and then it just doesn't work out. He's He's been all over the lineup uh, in that Florida Panthers lineup. He's been one of the few guys that stayed healthy all year. So I think that probably has, I mean, none of them have found consistency with the exception of Matthew Kachuk Maybe Carter Verhage. Carter Verhage has been pretty good all year this year. But um, yeah, I, 
now you got Reinhardt on line three, um, but he's playing with Lundell. They have some built-in chemistry last year. I mean, that's that's where he played last year, uh, and he had all that success. So, man, it's 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 hard to say. I think, I think I I, I me personally, I'm probably just gonna ride it out with Reinhardt and just hope for the best. Um, Florida is competing for a playoff spot still, so I I I mean, you'd hope that they are playing their best hockey of the season, and hopefully Reinhardt uh, reaps the benefits of that. But yeah, I mean, one of the most frustrating players all year this year. For sure. Definitely one of the players I've had the most questions about all year. And pretty much all year I've been telling people, you got to hang on to Reinhardt. The underlying stats are still there. He looks fine. And kind of the underlying stats still kind of look pretty good here. 99th in shots per 60, 57th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's at least good enough numbers to make me hold on to a guy of his caliber getting his kind of deployment second in Corsi four per 60 and 20th in scoring chances four per 60. So the on ice numbers are terrific there. Now, obviously the last little bit going down to the Lundell line, you expect that he probably takes a little bit of a hit in that regard and maybe a little bit of hit in ice time. Overall, I'm not dropping Reinhardt for this week. They have a three game week. It's a kind of normal week for most teams. For the two-game week in Week 22, though, I'm taking a really long, hard look at what Sam Reinhardt's doing because that's go time. That's playoff time for me in my leagues, probably for you in your leagues, or maybe you know it's the last week before playoffs uh, for you. So a two-game week is really hard to stomach if he's still not producing at that point, and that's a point at which, you know, I start to, like, I look at these advanced stats all year long, right? And I'm using them to base what I think is going to happen rest of the season with these guys. But for a, a two-game stretch, pretty much anything can happen. And so the underlying stats don't mean as much for a two-game stretch. They're not as predictive for any random two games, right? So if Reinhardt's still cold after this week, then I could be definitely talked into dropping him for the two-game week after that, depending, of course, always depends what's available on your waiver wire. But basically, that's my strategy where I have Reinhardt. I'm holding him through this week because the underlying stats tell me that I should. And then after that, I'm reevaluating based on that two-game week. Okay, and a couple of guys from Calgary. So Calgary has a really good schedule this week. One of two teams that doesn't play on Saturday here. So Saturday is a 15-game slate, mammoth slate this week. Only Anaheim and Calgary don't play on that date. So Calgary and Anaheim, definitely the best two streamer schedules this week. Calgary starts the week Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, and then Friday, Sunday to avoid that Saturday. So definitely a terrific schedule, but you're looking at a couple of guys from Calgary here in particular, Andrew Mangiapani and Elias Lindholm who have zero points in their last five games, both skating around 17 and a half minutes per game. And I don't know. It's just tough with these guys. Mangiapane's been criminally unlucky basically all season long. Um, His underlying stats don't look that different from last year when he scored, I think it was 35 goals. Um, Yeah, I just think that Mangiapane has just been completely unlucky but again now in this last little stretch the shots per 60 have crept down 190th in shots per 60 99th in individual scoring chances four per 60 which is only okay Elias Lindholm 286th in shots per 60 in this stretch so good schedule 
not good results. What are we doing with Mangiapane, Lindholm, or basically anybody from Calgary that you're rostering at this point? Well, I think because of the good schedule this week coming up, I'm I'm holding on and hoping for the best. Uh, yeah. But I I, I think. Um, yeah, I mean th- that's another situation. I, I Calgary is Florida West, right? They're they're right. they've had ridiculous underlying numbers um, as a team and everyone individually, and they just can't score. And and uh, their goalies can't stop a puck either, so that that doesn't really help. But um, in terms of fantasy, um, it's been very frustrating across the board. Uh, Lindholm was a guy that I mean people were pretty high on um, because of the season he had last year, uh, but again, just getting. I mean, adjusted to new new teammates um, has, I think, has been pretty difficult. But you would have expected at this point that they would have figured it out. They just haven't. So Majapani is a guy that is pretty readily available. I see him on the waiver wire all the time just because he just hasn't been uh, converting. So on a week like this, I think I think I'm definitely interested in picking him up. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Calgary's is t- tough. I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'm. Uh, I guess I'm just riding with it um, the same way I am with Reinhardt in Florida and just hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely would advocate holding on to both of these guys for the Monday-Tuesday back-to-back and see how that goes and then kind of reevaluate for your rest of week at that point. So that's what I'm doing with these guys. I think we're at the point where it's not crazy to talk about dropping Elias Lindholm if he continues to be cold and you absolutely have to have a win this week. If you're riding, if you're sitting pretty for playoffs and you don't need to worry about it, then I just hang on because Elias Lindholm has shown that he's a pretty solid fantasy producer for a number of years at this point. But if you're scrapping for a spot and you need a a streamer this week, who's really going to do something and there's somebody out there who's better. I don't know really if there is going to be that player, but for example, if Mikhail Backlund's out there, if you're in a bit of a shallower league and you want to just swap within the same team, Mikhail Backlund, his underlying stats are through the roof currently, uh, even though he doesn't have any points in his last four games. So he could also be on this list for that reason. But overall, I think that's the play. I think you take this Monday, Tuesday, back to back, you see what comes of it and you reevaluate after that point. It is going to be pretty hard to move off of them. There's going to have to be a pretty good reason to do it because of that Friday, Sunday, you're going to get an extra game out of them over pretty much anybody else you could pick up unless it's from Anaheim or Calgary. So for that reason, you're probably ending up holding through this week and then uh, you're just going to see how it goes and kind of make your decisions from there. But definitely both these guys on notice for me. Reese's Pieces says Nick Ehlers has also been awful. He was on the list that we had for this zero points in his last five games. His average time on ice has crept down to just over 14 minutes. And the last couple games, I believe, uh, including last night's game. 12 minutes or something. 10.48 and 11.52. Yeah. did see a tweet somewhere that said he was coming back from an injury and it might still be hampering him. So they might be kind of easing off his minutes for that reason. But man, this is just, it's so tough. So, so tough to roster a guy who's doing this zero shots, two shots, one shot in his last three games. Um, Yeah. And again, kind of similar to the Calgary guys, Winnipeg really solid schedule this week, Monday, Wednesday, two off nights to open the week and then a Saturday, Sunday, back to back to end the week. What are you doing with Ehlers so that I can take some time and think about it for myself? Oh man, that's tough. I have him in one league. 
Um, and he's been super disappointing coming off this injury. Yeah, it does seem like he's probably still hurt because this is a guy that is usually like a league leader in in uh, in shot generation um, and just one of the better players in the league, one of the more underrated players in the league. Um, but man, his deployment lately has been pretty bad. Like even before um, Dubois went down, he was, I mean, he was on the third line playing with Adam Lowry. Now he's playing on the second line, but he's got Kevin Stenland and Blake Mm. Wheeler, who Blake Wheeler has not been great lately either. So, um, I mean, but you would expect Ehlers to be a play driver on any line that he's on, uh, but he's just not doing it. And and yeah, down on power play too as well. So he's not even getting the benefit of of playing with with Kyle Connor or Mark Shifley um, on the top power play. So, um, man... That's really hard. I I think I'm probably I'm probably seeing how this week goes uh and then going into the playoffs kind of if if he has a bunch more games where he's playing 10 12 minutes uh I'm cons- I'm almost considering dropping. It hurts me to say. Um mm-hmm. but I the, the league I have him in is a bangers cats and man, he's not he's not doing shit in that. Yep. Like if he's not shooting I, I mean, that's what I get him for, right? Shots and goals, essentially. So, yep. and he's not doing either. So it's it's not not pretty right now. Yeah, I can't really dispute that whatsoever. I think you probably have to keep him on your roster for this Monday, Wednesday. Uh, two off nights to open the week. It's just such a juicy schedule to open the week and see how those two games go at least. If there's still no sign of him, you know, returning to relevance even, then at that point you might have to make a really tough decision depending on how badly you need to. Again, if you're sitting pretty for the playoffs and you don't need to think about it, then I wouldn't. I just hold him because his ceiling is legitimately one of the highest in the league uh, if everything is perfect for him. So, yeah, it's a really tough spot with a really tough player if you're in a spot where you absolutely need to have prime production, then yeah, I think I would hold them for Monday, Wednesday, and then I'd reevaluate at that point and maybe go to one of those Ducks or Flames streamers for the end of the week. That's definitely a possibility at this point if nothing changes, if his deployment stays down, if he doesn't show anything in terms of more chance or shot generation. Like even with this stretch, Ehlers ranks 25th in the league on the season in shots per 60. So um, definitely still having overall a season where he's putting up plenty of points or plenty of uh, shots, I should say. The points definitely haven't been there of late. So yeah, unfortunately, it pains me to say Ehlers, one of the guys that I really enjoy watching and enjoy rooting for a player that shows up well in advanced stats and because of that makes his way onto a lot of my teams so it pains me personally but in those places where i have healers that's going to be my strategy for this week all right three defensemen that i want to talk about actually two of them that we already talked about uh with the question from mr c but alex petrangelo aaron ekblad and devon taves all super cold at the moment so Ekblad has just one goal in his last five games. Taves has just one assist. And Petrangelo, as I mentioned, zero points in his last five games. Any of these guys uh, really stand out to you? Are you moving off of any of these guys? They all have different reasons to be in and out on them, I feel like. So um, maybe just do this to start. How would you rank these guys for the rest of the season, including playoffs? Well, I think... 
I'm probably probably just due to schedule. Oh man, this is tough. <laughs> uh, I think I'm probably rank Ekblad first, Devontae second, Pietrangelo third, and that's and Taves and Pietrangelo. I think it's purely because uh, Taves is on Colorado. Like we mentioned before, we were talking about Byram versus Pietrangelo, um, and I just think that Devon Taves uh, probably going to play with Kale McCarr. Um, like he typically does when McCarr is healthy. Um, so I, I, I just think um, those off nights are are invaluable. And yeah, yeah. And that Vegas has has a terrible playoff schedule. So uh, and Pietrangelo not always on PP one. So that and that is kind of kind of where he would he would typically tip the scale. Um, but yeah, I think that's how I'd rank them. Uh, I don't know that I'm moving off of any of them to be honest. Um, Devon Taves purely just because he's on Colorado, and then Ekblad and Pietrangelo. I mean, obviously, if there's if there's a better option on the waiver wire, maybe. But I mean, in in any of my leagues, like it's hard to find defensemen um, that are going to give you more value than than got, than minute eaters like this. So mm-hmm. I'm probably not moving off of any of them and just hoping that they that they pick it up. Sure. So I'll pose it to you this way Gosta Spare, for instance or love these guys that we've been talking about who are instantly hot Rasmus Sandin yeah any of those guys that you're taking Ooh. over your bottom guy in Petrangelo oh um I don't that's hard too. Sandin again we talked about Washington not having a very good schedule I'm probably not going there Orlov is interesting Orlov is interesting um, just because Boston has a ton of games uh, going mm-hmm. into the end of the season, he's playing top pair minutes. That's one that I would consider. Um, he also has some pretty consistent peripherals, not not world beating, but uh, um, he hits and blocks a little bit there too. Um, and that kind of would kind of make up for um, losing the blocks uh, from Pietro Angelo, who's typically a really good blocks guy. Um, and who is the other guy you mentioned? I forget. Uh, yeah, I, I forget too. Uh, Gosses Bear. Oh, Goss Spare. Uh, Goss, yeah, Goss Spare is tough. Well, Carolina also a very good playoff schedule, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there. He's like, I, I, I think he is. He's gonna cool off here, so mm-hmm. um, not super stoked about that. So I think I would consider Orlov, um, but I, I'm still not a hundred percent on that. Sure. Yeah, for my money, I would rank them Ekblad, Taves, Petrangelo at the moment. Um, similar reasoning, Ekblad first amongst all defensemen in shots for 60 over his last five games. Basically, yeah, over the last number of weeks even, he's been on an absolute tear in terms of shot and chance generation. His underlying numbers are elite at the moment, so I'm not getting rid of Ekblad. I think, yeah, at some point, these points have got to start going in for these Panthers. It just doesn't, like... It doesn't make any sense. I can't un- I can't make any sense of it whatsoever. Um, so Ekblad is going to be the top guy there for me. Then Taves, yeah, playoff schedule, uh, basically factoring into it. Also 17th in shots per 60 over his last little bit and playing 23 minutes a night. So that looks pretty good to me as well. And then Petrangelo, the underlying stats are not terrific. 86th in shots per 60, 66th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. Even the on-ice numbers, 108th and 128th in Corsi, 4 per 60, and scoring chances, 4 per 60, respectively. So not great there. If I pose myself the same question with the Orlov, Sandin, Gostas, Bear contingent, um, 
I think I might consider Sandine over Petrangelo at the moment if I was pressed um, for basically this week or for someone who's um, really performing at the moment. I think I might consider that. It would be tough to do, but I would consider it at least. Orlov, yeah, that's a that's a tougher one for me to swallow because he's not even on the top power play there. Even though he's going to get you more games played, is he really going to provide that much value? Yeah, I think Sandin's the only guy because Sandin also provides you the peripherals, the hits and the blocks and everything. I think Sandin's the only guy that I'd actually consider there. Uh, Goss Despair, as I mentioned, I just find it really hard to believe that he's going to keep any of this up playing 17 minutes a night. So that's my take there. Um, yeah, tough decisions got to be made this time of year. And you don't win any trophies for hanging on to the guys who got you there. It's all about who's going to get you through to the finish line here. So, um, yeah, that's the best take that I can make at this point. And at least one of those six defense, and I'll probably be extremely wrong on odds are, but uh, that's the way I'm looking at it currently. All right, Adrian Kempe is another guy we've got to talk about. Just the one goal in his last five games after he was absolutely on fire before this. Uh, still playing over 18 and a half minutes per game. The underlying stats still look pretty good. 28th in shots per 60, 79th in individual scoring chances for per 60, so a little bit down there. What's your thoughts on Kempe at this point? I'm not concerned. It's just a cool stretch for him. He's still still top line, still top power play. I mean... Even even the guys, even the high volume shooters, uh, go through slumps at at some points. And and he's, he, I mean, he was. We were concerned about him earlier in the year for the same reason. So I, I I'm not really too concerned about Kempe. I think I'm still holding on to him uh, at least for a little bit longer. Yep, I think you're right on there. The Kings don't have a terrific. Uh, playoff schedule. If you're in weeks 22 to 24, they have just 10 games and two off nights. So you could convince me that, you know, in a pretty shallow league, like a 10-team league or something like that, that there could be an option out there that I'd consider over Kempe. But in anything like 12-team and above, I think Kempe is a hold at this point. Just he's shown he's shown the ceiling, right? Like what he's capable of in a, in a one-week stretch or a two-week stretch or anything like that. So yeah. I think that ceiling is so enticing that it would be pretty hard to move off of him at this point. Another guy who's shown us both the ceiling and the floor this year, Brandon Hagel. Uh, now, Hagel has zero points in his last five games, kind of mirroring this latest stretch of uh, just complete disinterest, it feels like, from the Tampa Bay Lightning as an entire team, uh, which yeah. is absolutely terrifying to me as a Leafs fan facing yet another series with the Lightning upcoming <laughs> in the playoffs. Uh, because I do think that they're just going to flip the switch come playoff time and be right back to the team that everybody knows they can be. But Hagel specifically, uh, still getting almost 18 minutes a night through this stretch, but no points to show for it. He's been one of the bigger waiver wire pickups from earlier in the year that people have held on to all year long. Is now the time to finally uh, bite the bullet and get rid of Hagel? Yeah, I, I, I would definitely consider it. Uh, Tampa Bay... Um, has one of the the worst playoff schedules uh, coming up. I think they have ten games over over weeks twenty two to twenty four, but I think only one off night, one or two. Right. I can't remember. Um, one so off night, yeah. not not a great schedule there. So uh, I, I would probably be considering uh, looking at other options. Um, yeah, 
So I, I, I mean, especially now that he's not playing on the top line, right? Like that's, um, mm-hmm. that was kind of, that was where he ate a lot of the year was when he was playing with, with point and Kucherov. He's not there anymore. So not, not as excited uh, about him. So I would definitely be, be looking around. Yeah. I think that Tampa Bay is probably still going to blend these lines around and it's, just as likely as not, in my opinion, that he does end up back with Kucherov and Point, yeah. as it's been something that's worked. Um, but as you mentioned, not a really enticing schedule upcoming. They play, uh, what is this, four games, but no off nights, or one off night, sorry, on the Sunday uh, this upcoming week. So there's that. But then, as you mentioned, going into the playoffs, if you're 22 to 24, 10 games played and only the one off night. So that's not super interesting. If you're 23 through 25, it's not really any better. So all that to say, uh, yeah, if you're scrapping for it this week and you need somebody who's going to play some off nights for you this week, then I definitely think Hagel is on the block for me. Someone I would consider dropping if I need someone to stream and to get into some better uh, off nights for me this week so that I can actually fit them into my lineup. If that's you, if that's your case for this week, then I don't mind dropping Hagel. You mentioned Tampa seeming disinterested. They had 14 shots tonight against Freddie Anderson and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, five straight losses and just got just got pumped by Carolina. I mean, Carolina looks really good. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely... But, I mean, the Tampa's been losing constantly the last little while uh the mm-hmm. top line got benched so maybe in that way maybe maybe you hang on to haggle if this top <laughs> line keeps sitting on the bench that means he's getting primo minutes i don't know i, I i'm not really serious about that but <laughs> yeah i don't think that's uh one of the things that you can point to that any metrics suggest is a sustainable <laughs> thing is the top line getting benched for an entire period at the time um but yeah, it is it is just kind of a really odd situation in Tampa right now where the team just seems to be phoning it in till the playoffs come around um, a little bit. But yeah, it is a team that, a veteran team that knows how to win and they could turn it back on almost that well, it seems like. So for whatever it's worth, I think Hagel is in a spot now where he's on the edge and someone that I would consider dropping if you absolutely need to have someone playing some off nights for you this week. All right, that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Statric, which you should definitely check out for yourself and dig into. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. <laughs>